Welcome to the StoryCraft Cafe. Come in, grab a cup of your favorite beverage, and get ready to join the storytelling conversation. StoryCraft Cafe is brought to you by Dabble, the ultimate cloud-based fiction writing software. Here we're going to bring together storytellers from all walks to encourage and empower you to craft your best story. Thanks for joining us again on the StoryCraft Cafe podcast. Later this week, we've got a great author interview for you, and it's going to be split into two episodes, a lot like we did last week's uh, episode. We're really liking that new format. I hope you are too. But we had a live workshop yesterday in the StoryCraft Cafe with Lauren Moore, uh, indie editor, and we talked all about how you can prepare your manuscript to work with an editor what are some things you can do before sending that manuscript off to an editor and what can you expect in the relationship with the editor i think you're really going to like this i hope you find something useful for your writing journey and uh, be sure to stay tuned all through the week join us at storycraft.cafe And we are live in the Storycraft Cafe. Uh, thanks for joining us today. This is Hank Garner, your your host as always. And joining me today is Lauren Moore, uh, co-host of Keystroke Medium, uh, editor at large, author. Just she's got her hands in everything. And uh, <laughs> I I wanted to specifically talk with an editor today and talk about what the role of an editor is, especially uh, in any author's life. Um, but this summer we're, we're doing this series of shows we're calling hashtag indie summer. And, and so, you know, when you're, when you're an indie author, you're used to kind of bootstrapping everything, doing everything for yourself. Um, but there are certain areas of your author business that you don't need to do completely by yourself. And editing is one of those. There's, there's a certain amount of self-editing or revising is, is probably the better term for it. But then you need to bring in someone else to to help with that process. And so uh, that person is an editor. Um, so first off, uh, introduce yourself, Lauren, to the, to the audience. If people are not familiar with you, um, how did you get started as an, as an indie editor? Well, hi, Storycraft Cafe. That's great for editing. <laughs> Storycraft Cafe. Nice to meet you guys. Um, I love indie authors. I love bootstrappers. I'm a bootstrapped um, editor myself. Um, so how I got into editing, I was an English teacher for eight years and I absolutely loved it. But my downfall was I get these stacks of essays and bring them home and then try to fix every last little thing and be rushing, rushing, rushing to get them edited the night before I had to hand them back to my students because they needed that feedback. They needed that growth. Um, and so that was, you know, one of my big sticking points in teaching English was I just couldn't get all these essays done in time. And that was a lot. And I also wanted to write. I wanted to write myself. Um, and as an English teacher, you just didn't have a whole lot of time for that. Um, so in 2016, I started looking into editing. I had some friends who were writing their own novels, so I could, you know, practice giving them feedback. And there was a website where uh, people could 
establish themselves as freelancers, put themselves up there and bid on projects. And I just started putting myself out there that first summer, got some jobs, got some good reviews, good reviews led to recommendations. And that's where my indie editing career kind of started. Uh, right now I work with Galaxy's Edge and I get to edit military science fiction um, every day. Uh, Nick and Jason, those are my guys. Uh, Walt, I work with Walt Roblard and David. He's another editor on the crew and we work together to get those books out there every month. And um, it's a lot of fun. So I'm excited to chat about editing with you guys and to offer what little experience and tips I can. And, and encourage any authors and editors out there on your career too. So um, uh, a fun question that I've been asking people lately um, to kind of get the conversation started is what is a piece of writing advice that you have received or maybe you've heard bandied about um, that, that sticks in your mind? And maybe it's a great piece of advice and you're like, oh, I'm, I'm so glad I know that. Or maybe it's so horrible that it just stands out? Uh, well, <laughs> the one that kind of hits both targets is write every day. Oh my goodness, probably all of your guests say that, write every day. Um, but when when I was writing, I, I put out a couple books. Um, the, it was hard to get the words flowing. Um, that was my big struggle. But as long as I put in the time, a little bit of time every day, it just started getting a little easier. A little easier. Some days uh, would be tougher than others. And then I would call my co-host Kayleen and bounce some ideas off of her or get in my, my big brother. He's a D and D um, aficionado and, <laughs> you know, he loves to hold his own games and stuff. So he's great for bouncing ideas, story ideas off of, but yeah, write every day, build up that discipline. Um, that's the best advice. And it's also terrible advice because <laughs> you can't put it off. You have to do it. Um, just, yeah. Just, and it's advice I'm speaking to myself too. Yeah, just do it. I love it. I love it. Um, Lauren, what, when you're, when you're talking to people, uh, new authors, especially one, uh, when you're talking about using an editor and yeah. uh, one of the, the big um, trepidations that, that pe people are scared a lot of times to, to use an editor because especially in the beginning when they've not had that experience with an editor, is they're afraid that the thing that they have poured themselves into mm. that, that, you know, especially first books, first books tend to really be um, connected to who we are. Um, and, and, yeah, not and not to downplay the role of a first book or not to downplay, you know, how so much of ourselves seep into the stories we tell. Um, I don't I don't mean that, but there just there seems to be a very close connection with that first book that you tell. It, it's so personal and, you know, it it's just a new experience. And, and some people are scared that when they send that manuscript to an editor the editor's going to change everything or, or want to change everything. And then at the end of the editing process, they're going to wind up with a story that was not theirs to begin with. Um, so what would you, what would your answer 
to a new author be who's who's just scared of the process and scared of of letting letting go control uh, of kind of relinquishing control of their story it is mm-hmm. is kind of the it's more of a feeling that I have that I'm trying to put into words but I, yeah. I think you know what I'm saying yeah well first of all I have heard occasionally a story like that um sometimes there's just not the best match between author and editor um ellen campbell she said that picking a good editor is kind of like uh doing pancakes like you just you know kind of drop (laughs) you drop it on the pan um sometimes it it's just it's too thick sometimes it's too thin um and you just got to find the right level and there's a little bit of that with finding your editor is you know you want to find someone whose style matches yours you want to find someone that you can work with you can collaborate with um but every editor worth their salt sees themselves as on your team. This is not their book that they're trying to fit into a a mold of what they think is right. I mean, there, there are editors out there who do that, but, but by and large, most editors see themselves as being on your team. You're the client. You're the one paying them. Um, They're doing a job for you, Um, but they love books. That's why they got into it in the first place. They love books and they love story and they love your story. So as an editor, when I start reading the story, I'm imagining it in my head. I'm hearing the voices. I'm um, trying to relate to the characters and put myself into their shoes. I'm the first person who's experiencing your imagination and going along to the ra- on the ride for it. Um, So sometimes when a scene is confusing, I'll put up a note on that. Um, Sometimes I'll be listening to the the character's voice and I'll go, wait a minute. They wouldn't say it quite like that. Um, Their personality is usually like this. I wonder if maybe this is how they would say it. So I'll put up a little note there. Um, And uh, when you're reading the story, you might find a quicker way of saying it. instead of substituting, instead of having a whole phrase there, you might substitute a single word, or maybe something was a little unclear. So I'll, you know, change that. And the whole time I'm using tracking changes too, when I'm making these changes. Um, So all of the changes that I'm making, I see them as suggestions, right? I'm not writing the gospel or something. This is not a change that the author must make. They're just a recommendation. So um, one, I'd say to the author, yeah, you do want to find an editor that you can work well with and that you're working on a team. And maybe the place to start is to look for recommendations from your friends who are writing in the same genre about the editors that they like and that they work with. Um, Two, everything that I say, I'm doing it as part of your team and you're my client. And three, they're all suggestions. They're all just recommendations. You don't have to go with any of them. You don't have to accept them. Um, And my feelings aren't going to be hurt if you think, uh, absolutely not. I totally disagree with what you're saying here. I mean, they might be hurt a little bit, depending on how you say it. It's it's happened before, you know, but we'll get through it. We'll work together. We'll do another round of editing. If that's, you know, if that's what it needs or another round after that, we'll work through it and uh, we'll get there together. I think for a lot of people, they have um, English teacher syndrome. 
no <laughs> offense to English teachers. Uh, my my oldest son is an English teacher, and um, there's, you know, we all have these frightful memories of turning in a, a paper in eleventh or twelfth grade English, and and you know the the teacher looking over her glasses and just you know ready to mark it up with a red pen, and that is not the role of an editor when you're a writer. Uh, the, like, and I love how you explained it that the editor is. Uh, she's just looking to be a member of your team and, and you both have the goal of making this the best book possible and, and for you to have the best voice possible. Um, so as an editor, how do you, you know, you said that, you know, as you're going through, you may read a passage and think, um, I don't know that this is the right voice for, you know, for this character. I don't know that, that you hit the character's voice just right. Um, how do you as an editor kind of um, get into the author's mind, uh, you know, to, to know these characters and is it just, you know, is that, is the voice consistent all the way through or, or do you uh, embody the character at, at some point? Um, I I'm smiling right now because <laughs> I can't really explain it. It just yeah. kind of naturally happens and I have a number of editor friends and they'll kind of say the same thing. They just hear it, you know, it, it's like you're getting to know your friend. Yeah. When I'm reading your manuscript, you're my friend right now. Okay. Um, it's like you're getting to know your friend and you know how your friend would talk. Um, so just ideas come to you. And, you know, like, like I said, if, if it's, if it's a right or wrong thing, like I know it's a grammar error, you know, or something, I'll just do yeah. track changes. But a lot of the times um, I'll, stick a comment on the side and then the author can decide, you know, kind of flag it, but you just hear the person's voice. You just hear it talking and the different characters come to life. Um, and the same thing for you as an author, you're hearing those voices too. Um, yeah. You know, some writers, uh, write, different writers have different, different ways of, of writing, but a lot of us are, you know, thinking about our friends that we know or characters from a movie that we're sort of mm -hmm. basing this character off of. Um, maybe it's someone we met from our childhood, but we hear their voice too. And we're writing it out. And the more your characters have um, unique personality quirks and unique uh, tones and, and tendencies and stuff, it comes across to the reader. And like I said, your editor is your first reader, right? So the, the first right. person who's trying to hear those voices too in their head, uh, the accents and everything. And so stuff just comes to you while you're, while you're reading. Um, and it comes to you too, as you're writing, right? Like just right. It's there. <laughs> it's this, this ethereal woo woo that, that happens in, in writing. <laughs> maybe it's the coffee. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe so. Um, I know that you specifically as an editor, you offer all sorts of services um, from, uh, from line editing, you know, through, copy editing, developmental editing, proofreading, developing universe Bibles, manuscript assessment, plot consultation, the, you, a whole range of services. And, and I want to get into in a minute what the difference in those things are. But um, I've always heard never send a first draft to an editor. Um, mm. So what should an author do? What can they do um, to prepare their manuscript first off to make it um, make the copy that they send to the editor the best that it can be. Um, and should you be worrying about self-editing or revising? Um, like, like how, 
how concerned should you be with the the state of your manuscript before sending it to the editor? Like, is can you be so concerned with it that you just never finish it? Um, mm -hmm. How do you know when it's ready to send? Yeah, uh, those are excellent questions. <laughs> and it kind of goes back to like, you know, you're hiring a, a professional, right? And you want to get, you want to get what you pay for. Um, so I've had manuscripts that took me um, 10 weeks, right? And I've had manuscripts that took me just like two or three days. So there's different levels of needs. And also what who's your audience and what are you trying to, to get it ready for? Um, if I'm sending out a book to the Galaxy's Edge audience, I know they have really high standards. They're expecting a lot in terms of the plot and the character growth and development. And they're also expecting a lot in like the grammar. They want the grammar impeccable. They want the capitalization correct for military audiences. Uh, they want the details on the weapon weaponry and the strategy, like the tactics using the weaponry. They want all of that to be accurate. So I have to have an eye for all of that and the other editors involved on the team too. Um, so we've, we've had books that have taken weeks. We've had books that took a lot less than that um, as they go through the different stages of the process. Um, so for, for you as an author, you'll want to know what kind of editing service um, am I looking for? Am I willing to pay? And that this book needs. And figuring all of that out um, will take, it'll take research into the different kinds of editing. And it would also take probably, if it's your first book, I'd swap with another author. I'd swap manuscripts um, and offer like, you read my book and I'll read yours and we'll give each other an idea of what what kind of feedback this book needs, what can take it to the next level um, and how much how much I'm willing to pay an editor. Right. So so if you're trying to hire a professional for 10 weeks of editing work, which is very possible, you know, if the book needs it, it needs it. Right. Um, but, you know, think about how much you make in 10 weeks so that you can pay your bills at home. An editor also has bills to pay, right? <laughs> too, right. so that can that can add up. Um, when if someone is just um, at that point where they don't they don't know what else to do, um, mm -hmm. what well, first off, um, when you're revising your manuscript, I mean, grammatical errors uh jump out first uh you know are we conjugating our verbs correctly are we using the right tense and you know are we being consistent if we're telling a story in third person is it consistently third person all the way through or are we dipping into first person without knowing it um you know th those are some things that that just kind of show up um that that anyone's going to pick up um but what is the um I, I guess what are the different levels of of uh, of editing line editing versus developmental editing versus copy editing what what do those terms mean great question yeah developmental editing is looking at the story as a whole okay. so we're looking at the plot structure plot from the beginning of the story making sure that there is an exposition that's you know introduced the characters, the world, the theme, the conflict, that that's all there in the beginning, that there's an inciting incident to kind of spark off the adventure, um, that 
we care about those characters and stories from page one and that we're sucked into it, um, into the conflict, which leads up to a climactic point, a turning point um, that we can find that and uh, that there's a resolution to it that's satisfying to the reader at the end. All of that is developmental editing. So they're looking to see that the elements of the plot are there. They're, they're also thinking about um, how interested am I in reading this story? Am I feeling sucked in? Um, where is it you know, really like hitting that, that, the nail for me? Um, right. Where is it slowing down and getting confusing or murky or just, just like eating sawdust? <laughs> that's not good okay so we you get to that point and then you stop getting page reads right because your readers just stop you don't want that to happen you want them to keep on flipping those pages and right. in a developmental editor the editor is paying attention to the story but they're also paying attention to the reaction to their story um and then it's not really enough to just like point out problems although sometimes that's you know that's all you can do um, yeah. It's really great for the author if you can point out like possible solutions or possible ideas for a way to fix that plot hole or a way to build tension, a way to bring these characters together. Um, maybe there's too many characters. That's something, you know, and we're very excited about our world and our cast of characters. Maybe we're going into too much detail. We have too many people involved. Well, how can I trim back on those characters and maybe like combine a couple Um so what's missing there? What's missing in the plot? Um, what could I add in to fix that hole? Uh, your developmental editor should be looking for all of that and give you that feedback. And then all of that feedback, again, it's highly subjective, right? We're not talking <laughs> about grammar, you know, rules here. All of this is just opinion. This is an a professional opinion you're paying for. Um, but so, so, you know, listen, but you don't necessarily have to agree with the editor. My favorite is when a client uh, takes the feedback I've given them, you know, in like in a list and they're like, you know what? Um, I've got a reason for why I need that there or why, why I wanted that piece missing. Um, but your, your suggestion gave me a different idea and I'm very excited that. about that idea. And now I'm going to go back and I'm going to write it and I'm going to impress you with something <laughs> cool you didn't even think of. And then invariably, every time they come up with something awesome. And then when I reread the manuscript after they've made that fix, I'm like, oh, this is, this is perfect. This is exciting. Um, right now with Galaxy's Edge, we're in the middle of an editing process where the author had that developmental feedback. Um, they, they took about half of my suggestions and the other half, they're like, no, I've got a real military reason for why this has to be this way. But what you said made me think of something completely different and I'm going to make it work. And that book is in process. I've read round two and I'm really excited for what round three looks like. So that's the developmental process. Uh, next up would be line editing. So line editing is fixing the words on the sentence level. Um, we're editing for clarity, for power, for the character voice. We're still looking at um, uh, how fast the plot's moving. We might be moving paragraphs around so that they're in an order that makes more sense. We might be cutting out paragraphs. Um, we could be fixing grammar at the same time, yeah. uh, but we're really focusing on the the 
on the sentence level. Um, and I'm going to make all those suggestions and you know replacements and fixes, and I'll send it back to the author. They'll accept the ones that they want to or make the fixes where they need to. Um, but at that point, even after they've, even if they accepted all of my suggestions, there's probably still some typos in there and it's gonna need one more round of editing and that will be the copy editing stage. So copy editing is really focusing on the grammar and the spelling. This is where things are right or wrong, right? Like a semicolon right. shouldn't be there. You need a comma there or vice versa, something like that. Or maybe it could be an artifact left over from you writing, me rewriting, you accepting changes, you know, like all that back and forth yeah. leaves room for du extra double spaces, a the, the, an and, and, something like that. Um, and that's where the last round of editing, hopefully, um, the copy editing stage is where we'll catch all of those things. Um, your eyes, since you've read this book, maybe six or seven times or more, can just skip right over it. Um, and sometimes editors too. Uh, in this stage, I'll often have pro writing aid on at the same time. Yeah. So it's got, you know, highlighting things that it's saying are wrong. And as my eyes are reading, I'm also paying extra attention to those suggestions as well to make sure I, I kind of don't catch, don't miss anything. Um, so that will be the copy editing stage. At that point, after the authors accepted everything, now it's ready for the proofreading stage. Uh, some authors will send the book back to me yet again. Other times, this is where they'll get their alpha readers to read it to read the manuscript before they send it to print. Okay, so proofreading is the final stage. That's when your proof copy, your finished manuscript, is all done and ready to go to the print to print. But you're you just want to check to make sure there's not any final little things before the Amazon reviewers get to it. <laughs> so maybe you've got an alpha reader team or another editor or something, but one last pair of eyes to take a look at your proof copy for the proofread. I've heard the statistic before and it's in it it's been uh communicated in in several different ways, but it's uh once you have read a manuscript so many times, sometimes it's three or four, sometimes it's six or eight, I forget. Um but um, your brain will just look over those typos and in your mind, it is correct. And, and you just don't see it anymore. And that, that, that's why you must have another pair of eyes, whether it's a, 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 a copy editor or a, a proofreader or, or whatever, you've got to have another set of eyes. I know I did a book for Nick Cole that got published by a traditional publisher. So I'm sure they had a team of editors on it. And then he got the rights back and he wanted to do, you know, wanted to publish it again and get it out to audio. And he he did the audio read. So it's fantastic, right? But he sends it yeah. to me first to make sure I get it right. And um, I went through the whole thing, you know, with my fine tooth comb. At the end, I was like, you know what? Let's just see what pro writing aid pulls out. And it found the word noticing it was missing an I, <laughs> an I. I don't know how many human editors, including Nick, right? You know, oh, yeah. I'm sure he's on many, many times. And all of us missed, we did not notice the I in noticing. Well, it's so funny because you'll, you'll read an Amazon review and they're like, there were three typos in this 400,000 word book. And you're like, 
you have no idea what a blessing only having three typos would be in a book that massive, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think over my, what's it? Six years, six years editing. I've had, and I check the reviews sometimes I've had a, a number of reviews like this book needs professional editing. And I'm like, Oh, <laughs> but yeah, the things, the, the mistakes happen. We're human. And they come yeah. through, you know, you can do, all you can do is do your absolute best to, to create something wonderful, to create something um, beautiful, you know, putting your, your soul into this thing, getting it absolutely ready, got your team working together on it. Um, and then if they find a mistake and they will find a mistake, you just fix it and re-upload it and move on. Have, have you ever had someone send you a manuscript and, and and they're thinking, oh, you know, I just need proofreading, uh, you know, or, you know, just and and you read it and you're like, oh, this needs a developmental edit. And I mean, a deep one. Uh, yeah. Is there ever that level of disconnect? Yes. With a writer? Yeah. Yeah. And um, it, yeah, English classrooms. And I'm, I'm guilty of this, too. I don't think I did a good job of explaining the difference between revision and proofread. You know, I think I, every time they turned in an essay and I said what I was doing, I called it proofreading. But like in professional editing world, it was much more of a developmental line and copy edit, you know, like all three in one. Um, so we, we were used to, after, you know, four years of high school, called fixing the errors, mm -hmm. proofreading. But actually, it, so much more is needed along the way before you have your proof copy that's ready to go to print that needs one final check which would be the proofreading stage. So it's, you know, it's, we just need to, just need to research the different things for ourselves and, and figure it out. And also, you know, like I said, ask your editor friends about um, what kind of editing they use. And if you could do the manuscripts, manuscript swap before you pay someone to look at it. Um, and you're, you're talking to your author friend who also is hoping to create something out of their imagination and send it out to strangers, um, yeah. they can have that outside pair of eyes to give you what they think is, is an idea for what this manuscript needs and what you want to put your, your hard earned dollars towards uh, getting that fix. Yeah. Um, You've mentioned uh, turning on pro writing aid to, to just help you as an extra set of eyes. Um, is, is Do you recommend tools like that for writers just as they're writing to be that extra set of eyes that they could just give another layer of, you know, did I overlook this misspelling or? Yeah, I would definitely recommend it, but not for the drafting stage um, because okay. I totally feel, um, I feel the grind of, <laughs> getting those words out and you know as an editor one of the one of the things i have to get over as a writer is turning the editor brain off and yeah. turning on the creative side you know to let the words flow and to you know to hear those characters and it's like a different part of my brain and it's also a part of my brain i don't use that often being being more of an analytical i love grammar grammar nazi type you know that that's kind of more my happy spot is like you know what are the rules can i follow them let's go um and then just but to write that's to be creative that's right. to be inventive uh and that's you want to get in the flow state 
So I'd find um, that if I if I'm giving into my my the other side of my brain where I'm trying to correct stuff, I won't get the words out. So in that initial drafting stage, you go ahead and have your you know word vomit. Like go ahead and get those words out. No matter, just, just get them on the page. You can yeah. edit it later um, and and figure out a better way of saying it later. But just get the words out. Um, Stephen King in his book on writing, uh, he talked about finishing a first draft of course you have it right next to you mine's on my <laughs> shelf right up here that you can't see but but yeah everybody has one within arm's reach um he talks about finishing that first draft and then taking that manuscript putting it in, in a desk drawer or like we all do now letting it sit on your hard drive um for i i can't remember if he says a, a month or six weeks what, whatever long enough for it to to get out of your brain and and work on something else and then come back to it um does that help you to well first off do you think that's good advice and if so um getting away from that manuscript for a little bit does that help you to get a better perspective on it absolutely it does for me anyway i mean it's not everyone else's process and it's not everyone else's business strategy right. there are a lot of authors out there who don't have the time to shelf it because yeah, they churn and burn churn and burn right yeah yeah and once you've written enough books, you might not need to be making that much revision, right? You've, right. you've put in those 10,000 hours or, you know, thousands of thousands of words at least. Um, so you're you're not making the same mistakes you made at first. Um, but if you're still learning, um, yeah, switching your focus to something else for a while and then coming back into it, you can have a, a much fresher set of eyes looking at it again. Um, the, the two books that I have out, both of them took a lot of time um, to write in the first place and then um, to revise. I've got a novel out that I have with Richard Fox, and I must have edited that <laughs> like seven <laughs> times or more, you know, going back and forth. And then he did a couple times, too. Um, and then we also had another editor help. And then I edited it some more. <laughs> so it went through the ringer again and again and again and again and again. It got better every time, of course. Yeah. Um, but we're still finding stuff to, to make it even better. So yeah, I, I definitely like his suggestion of, you know, shelving it for a while and then coming back to it. Um, and then you might go, um, what was I thinking here? <laughs> I've got a much better solution or even happily, this is way better than I thought it was. I was right. convinced it was terrible, not fit for public <laughs> consumption, but actually this is pretty good. And then you'll have the confidence to get to get it out there and to be, you know, to plan your launch and to have the best, most successful launch you can because you're speaking truth when you say you're gonna love this book. Because yeah. now that you've given it a rest for a while and you're reading it again, you love it too, instead of hating it because you were like this close to it, right? <laughs> I know that feeling. That's me. Um, you're one of those unique individuals um, that is not only an editor, but an author as well, as you just mentioned. Is it weird to bring someone else into your creative process to 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 submit this manuscript to an editor that that's outside of 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 you and, and your purview? Is, is that a strange um, relationship? I thought it was going to be, and then it wasn't. 
It wasn't at all. I That's thought I submitted to Ellen Campbell, right? That woman's got high standards, right? I was convinced she's going to think of a fraud. Yeah, she is, right? <laughs> and I expected that. And I thought she's going to be like, what, you know, like, who does she think she is, you know, calling herself a professional <laughs> editor when she's making this mistake, that mistake. That is not what happened at all. That is not what happened at all. There were admittedly a couple points where she asked me if I was high when I was writing that chapter, you know, <laughs> like that did happen where she asked. Um, and I was like, no, I mean, I might've been hallucinating, but it was for my pure own imagination. Um, thanks. <laughs> no. Um, so, uh, so again, there's suggestions she gave. Some of them I accepted, some of them I fixed, some of them are like, no, I actually want that line there. I, I think it's fantastic. And maybe I have a terrible choice, but I'm going to own this. <laughs> I'm going to move forward and I'm just going to, this is my book. Um, and she, that's how she feels. What I found is that um, she wanted to be, like I said, on my team, right? She's not going to be hurt if, if I don't accept the Ellen Campbell suggestions, right? She yeah. just wants the book to be as good and as it can be and for me to be happy with the end result, whatever that is, right? Um, so we're working together, we're collaborating. And, uh, and, and that made me feel more confident as an editor too when I'm on the other side of it now with my clients that um, my client actually wants all of this feedback. They they, I mean, that's what they're paying for, right? But sometimes right. you're like, is this going to be too harsh if I say this? You know, am I going too far by by suggesting this? Am I slashing it up too much? You know, am I going to hurt their feelings? <laughs> you know, you kind of sometimes wonder. Um, right. But they they want that feedback. That's why they came to you as an editor, right? Yeah. So so give it to them. You know, be as polite as you can, be as clear as you can, but. but move forward, sally forth in confidence. And that's what I learned from the process of working with Ellen Campbell as an author. Well, trust me, those uh, those, Amazon, those Amazon reviews will not be as nice as someone that you're paying for <laughs> feedback from. That's true, right? Because yeah. they paid to read that book. They paid for the reader yeah. experience. So uh, yeah, yeah, again, yeah, as an editor, you're keeping that in mind. You know, the author is your number one client, but they're they're getting paid by their readers on the other end of it and they need you and your professional opinion to get it ready for them right right so um we have uh kind of uh dispelled a lot of the uh the uh the trepidation that that people have in sharing their manuscript with an editor we know that editors are nice people and they want <laughs> our best <laughs> they, they want us to succeed um, yeah. as if a writer's working on that manuscript and they just want to know when is the right time to send it to an editor. What what things can they do um, for and to their manuscript to make sure that it's it's the best that it's going to be before seeking outside help? Like, when do you know? That it that it's it's ready to let go and to send to you Be because some people will just go over and over and over that manuscript and and never publish, mm -hmm. you know that 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 happens as much as 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 people that just can't get the will to start writing that sometimes you just revise it to death. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, and again, you're 
depending on how much work the manuscript needs, um, could be, you know, the editor's time on the editor's side, and then you're paying for their time on your side. So there's also like budget considerations too. Um, for early, for new authors, I, you know, still highly recommend try to do an editing swap. Um, you guys have the Storycraft Cafe. <laughs> um, so you've got lots of authors who are also on their journey to learn. Yes. They're trying th their best to study. They're really thinking carefully about their craft. Uh, and they also have the same budget considerations you do too. So if you could find uh, one person who's in your genre, and that's really key because different genres have different tropes and different reader expectations and stuff. Right. And you're trying to satisfy those as an author. You want someone who's on the same page as you with that. Um, can you do a manuscript swap? Can you read each other's manuscript? Um, and then, you know, just to get some feedback and um, also that will give you an idea for, for what's working and what's not as you read their manuscript, what worked and what didn't. And are you making the same mistakes over here? Um, I find that a lot of new authors make the exact same mistake that you don't see in, um, in the novels that are in Barnes and Nobles that are on the shelves that we're reading by more veteran authors. But we tend to make a lot of the same mistakes. Like we've got a lot of characters coughing and pausing and hesitating and turning to look and glance and getting up to open the door and shut the door and leave the room. Um, it, we, why are we throwing these things into the middle of dialogue and noting every little detail? I'm not sure, but what I do know as, is that when I was writing my books, I did the same thing. <laughs> so the well, same thing I as an editor. I think some of that stems from we've all heard show don't tell and and that's a um that's the first thing that we think of to well i've got to show everything and that that's not what that what that advice means necessarily is it right yeah so think about your day if you were to write down every single thing that you did throughout your day you would be writing thousands and thousands and thousands, maybe millions of words, right, to include all of that. But it would not be interesting to the reader to read. You know, like I, she took, heaved a sigh and blew out her lips and pinched one. I mean, I don't know what they're doing. But but these are, you know, we do things. We sit up straight. We slouch. Our back hurts, you know, whatever. Um, do we have to note that in our novel? No. No, but we just feel inclined to write them. Um, so if you're reading your friend's novel, um, you might see some of those rookie mistakes that we just kind of all tend to make. And you didn't think it was a problem when you're writing because you're just getting those words out, right? Um, but then you see it in your friend's writing, you go, oh, oh, I don't want that in my book. Or I love how they did that. I love that they're including um, puns. You know, there's a character who makes a lot of puns and I find that hilarious. I'm not going to have five characters who make puns because, you know, you know I'm just going to have one. So he's really sticks out. Um, but I, I love that they have that and that works so well for my other character. Or, um, wow, they had a cool plot twist by the end of their story. Um, my book needs a plot twist. I don't, I don't really have any. Uh, maybe I should ask them um, how, how they came up with that plot twist and what they think I could do with my, my novel near the end to make it a little more interesting and surprising for the reader and have something that surprising but inevitable conclusion that really sticks with them. So, yeah, so I, I'd recommend the exercise of manuscript swapping 
as a stage for you to get your manuscript ready for the editor. So hopefully they're doing more of a line or copy edit than a full on developmental edit. Um, and, you know, get that, get that done. Um, Pro Writing Aid is good, is a good tool to use. There's also, there's a couple others that, that people like, that's just the one I've landed in. Um, yeah. So, but there's, there's a few that are really good. Um, so, but that, I wouldn't use that until you've gone through the manuscript a few times and now you're ready for um, an AI software program to give their suggestions, right? And they've got suggestions that are, you know, right or wrong grammar that you might have to sift through, but they also have a lot of suggestions that are stylistic. Like you're using a whole lot of passive voice tenses here. Here's how to make it active. Um, and that will improve readability and that will make it feel more exciting and cut down on your fluff words. Uh, they also will notice if you're using the same sentence starters repeatedly, which can become annoying or, or boring to, to the reader. Um, but we don't tend to notice that because we right. came up with the words ourselves. But the, the software program is now programmed to notice that and it'll just highlight it, bring it to your attention. And then if you want, you can make those changes. Um, they'll also notice if there's inconsistencies in the spelling, those little things slip through, they'll find that. But I'd recommend that for later on in the editing process. Um, if you don't go developmental, then line, then copy, you might find, you might end up throwing out words and throwing out work, right? So developmental is like looking at the plot. You might find you need to throw out chapter 16 or add in a new chapter, okay? But if you've put in all, if you've put in two hours of work editing and revising chapter 16 and then you end up deleting it, yeah, all of that work is just gone. Right. What you can do is copy and paste that chapter and put it in another Word doc and save it for another book, save it for another idea. And maybe you can use those words, but so many authors just end up deleting words. Uh, Christopher Palini, uh, we interviewed him I had him on the show. He will write hundreds of thousands of words and then throw many of those thousands of words out. Just delete them. And that's the author life. Yeah. So yeah. you don't want to get into the nitty gritty until you're sure you're not going to be deleting thousands of words. Yeah. I've heard um, what's his, uh, Nicholas Sparks say the same thing that he writes like 50% more words than he needs. And like, who has time for that? I don't <laughs> authors with advances <laughs> is the bing, answer. Bing, 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 bing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And authors with, but they have those advances because they already have a giant readership that just right. loves their words and can't wait to see them. And they, know, these authors know exactly what their readers are looking for, and they're going to deliver. Um, yeah. So they have time to to write thousands of words that they're going to delete, which would be very, very depressing for many of us writers who are just starting out. Yes, yes. Um, you mentioned that um, there are software packages that um, that will um, look for um, for things that go against certain grammar rules or m m stylistic um, mm. things like, like for instance um, in on writing again, Stephen King says, never, ever, ever use adverbs. 
And then you've got Neil Gaiman over here who is just throwing adverbs, you know, everywhere he can. And, and so who's right and who's wrong? Um, you know, so do you have advice for writers for what, what are hard and fast rules and what things are stylistic things? And if you can pull it off more power to you, uh, but, you know, how do you know the difference between what is just a stylistic thing for you and what is something you should never, ever do? If it's getting in the way of the reader's experience, don't do it. Right. Gotcha. If it doesn't need to be in the story, cut it. If it's going to confuse the reader on the first reading, change it. Right. Because anytime they get to a sentence and they don't know what it said, and they have to reread it again to figure out what it's saying. They've just been pulled out of your story. Right. And now they might go do something else. Now they might put down the book and they might not come back to it. Right. Um, Cause it's not, it's not just that you're competing against other authors with different writing styles. Oh, that's true. You're also competing against um, Netflix, um, friends coming in and out, although I don't want to say, hopefully people are, you know, paying attention to their friends over reading a book, but you know, like life, life, right? Yeah. There's other things yeah. to do. Okay. Yeah. So anytime. Angry birds on their phone. Angry birds whatever. on there. There you go. That's yeah. better. <laughs> I'm just thinking about my life, right? Like get people coming <laughs> right. in and out, you know, anyway, <laughs> the point is you're competing against all of that. You don't want anything to interrupt that flow state of right. the reader experience and um, it, a semicolon or a comma that doesn't need to be there or shouldn't be there. And a lot of the punctuation rules are pretty hard and fast. Yeah. Um, if you don't like hard and fast punctuation rules, then maybe you want to consider the M dash, the M <laughs> M dashes have fewer hard and fast rules. Just don't go crazy because that will call <laughs> attention to itself, which will, again, snap the reader out of it. Um, right. So I find that my authors who are trying to avoid adverbs will instead add a whole phrase, right? Instead of she sadly said, they'll say like, you know, she's said while a tear ran down her face and she sniffled. Well, that's not too bad, but like, <laughs> They'll, they'll add in the whole phrase when one word can do. Right. Okay. So if you can save the reader time by using one word instead of five, do it. Right. Yeah. Just do it. it. You know, if someone said a rule, never use adverbs. Yeah. But I'm, I'm making it the, the reader knows exactly what I mean. They know exactly what that sounds like. It's clear. And I'm also not wasting their time. Let's go. Yeah. Let's get to the story. Let's get to the fun part. Well, and the goal is to for the reader to get lost in your story, not to be jarred out of your story by your love of semicolons. Right. Or yeah. your love of adverbs. Like you might go <laughs> crazy with the adverbs um, right. or you might use only ever use said. And then then you have that repeated word jumping yeah. out down the page. You have 40 saids in a row and then it, it just kind of grates on the eyes yeah or maybe yeah. you're like oh well this, i heard some editors say you should use different kinds of dialogue tags and not use said all the time so now she's gonna groan and she's gonna whisper and she's gonna squeal i don't know you're just yeah. throwing in all kinds of different tags that don't even make sense because you're trying so hard not to use said okay so right. there's you know different different swings that you can go to different um yeah. ends um try to find what's best for their reader, what makes the most sense. 
And uh, um, I, I know Nick Cole, speaking of him, uh, is a, a huge proponent of this. And and I love it, too, is to read your manuscript out loud uh, because those things will when you because your eyes may gloss over them after so many times. But when your ears hear it, it, it something that sounds weird is going to sound weird to the readers. Yes, exactly. Uh, you'll hear it for yourself and you're like, oh, I got to fix that. And also, yeah. if you're if you find comma rules confusing, you've studied them as much as you can. You've found a list of the comma rules. You found um, maybe a YouTube video about the comma rules, or you sat down with someone and you still don't get it. One pretty good tip is if you read it out loud, this is where you naturally would pause. Put a comma. Pr probably. Yeah. Probably not. Is it always true? No, but that's where pro writing aid or an editor, you know, can really help you figure it out. But for, yeah. for a lot of people who just find them just confusing, that you think you can read it out loud and where there's a pause is probably where you need some punctuation. Probably a comment. Excellent. Excellent advice. Um, Lauren, t tell people where they can find you. If, if, if they're looking for an editor, are you taking clients? Um, I... Galaxy's Edge is my full-time client right okay. now. Um, you can you can reach out. I have a lot of editor friends, so even if I can't fit you in the schedule, I can find someone who who would be a good match for you because um, I have a number of friends. But also Keystroke Medium, our Facebook group is where you can find me and also where you can find a lot of editors and a lot of other authors, maybe some authors who would be willing to do a swap with you. Um, we have a Google Docs sheet with our indie community of all kinds of different book creators, illustrators, um, expert, like in different field, like you need someone to read it just for the military science fiction part, someone who's a gun expert to read certain scenes where guns are used and you're, you've never touched a gun before, but your characters have, so you could want to get it right. Uh, on that Google Doc, you can find names and uh, email addresses of people who can help you with the different aspects of getting your book published. Excellent. And uh, I'll uh, I'll try to link that up in the show notes to make it easy for folks to uh, to find. Um, Lauren, thank you so much for joining us today in the cafe. Thanks for having me. This was a lot of fun. 